you know, he's he's in the science lab. He's doing puzzles. He he can trick you a little bit more, you know, and get out of that cage. For, to, to he a, he knows how to hit the buttons in the right order. To get, to get Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast live from London. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined as always by producer JT. You can follow on social media at JT underscore Runke. JT, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing pretty good for being 45-ish minutes late. Yeah, just a little, just, just a, a bit of a whipple, isn't it? Just, yeah. <laughs> just a little just, late. Just a smidge, you Listen, know? we're very yeah. far away from home, and technical difficulties arise sometimes. And listen, we're a little late. I mean, it's late here. It's, it is a quarter to midnight it for is. us in London, so it's late, late here. It is a quarter to six, I believe, for those of you in Nashville and in the Central Standard Time Zone. Appreciate all of you that are with us live today. Excited to talk titans ravens ahead of titans ravens here in london at tottenham hotspur stadium on sunday morning for you all afternoon for us and then we'll get to the best bet gauntlet week six a big redemption redemption week for us jt our first bad week of the year last week it's gonna happen we're gonna have probably one or two more of those the rest of the year that's that's how it works you know the public gets it right 40 percent of the time we get it right 60 percent of the time you got to take your lumps but we're ready to bounce back and um, for those of you that join us live, appreciate you being here, Austin, in the comments with a question. Do we think Derek is going to walk out of the tunnel in historically accurate King Henry garb? A fantastic question. Um, I'd put the line on that at plus 850. Certainly not impossible, but unlikely. I will be taking any and all bets. Just Venmo me and let me know which side you'd like to take. Uh, he should, for the record. He absolutely should. William in the comments as well. Appreciate you guys being with us live. Um, we won't bore you with our London trip thoughts for more than I promise, like three minutes, but just to kind of set the stage before we talk Titans Ravens, uh, I, I chronicled, chronicled on Twitter a bit about how I had a just nightmare of a time getting over here. What should have been about nine hours of travel start to finish turned into about 21 hours of travel start to finish. I was up for like 28, 29 straight hours. Um, three or four delays and cancellations and it was the worst and we lost some luggage as well it was great it was awesome thank you american airlines and british airlines you suck uh, but we're here eventually got there and then i got here and i think a combination of the jet lag plus the fact that i hadn't slept in over 24 hours plus the fact that i was dehydrated led to me dealing with some serious like jet lag vertigo and was extremely ill for like six hours when i got here and then I went to like a bodega and found some magic bodega man who gave me some magic medicine that I Googled and found out is not FDA approved. So you mm. can't get it in the US, but you can get it here. And I put it in my belly and it worked. And so we're magically back and I'm back. And so that's good. Um, JT, how was your time getting into London? Perfect. I got in. Awesome. I was fine. Sick. Um, by the time that you got in and you were starting to feel good. I, I was say, like we were supposed to leave. Actually, we did leave like six hours ahead of you and you beat us here yes. somehow. I, right? I, I, already had seen the sights of London. I was drinking a few pints already yesterday before you even got boots on the ground here. I hate so you for that. I'm, yeah. I'm doing great. <laughs> two other things from London, and then we'll talk Titans, Ravens. One, uh, my number one takeaway from two takeaways from the city. One, it's just New York, but everything's older and a little bit more proper, um, which is and not brick. a brick and a lot of bricks. Yeah. 
number two, everything in the, there's a lot of towers in this town. Everything's a tower, but also a lot of the towers don't look like towers. I went to the Tower of London this morning, got there. No see, it looked like a fortress, didn't see a tower, got in there, found out the tower was a tower for its time in 1266 or whatever, but it's like three or four stories tall. I, my take is that like Pluto as a planet, towers should be relegated with time to buildings. If you were a tower in your day a thousand years ago, but you're four stories today, I'm sorry, you're a building now. You don't get to be a planet anymore, Pluto. That's, do, what, I mean, does that not make sense? Like, you, you can't just lie and say you're a tower, but you're a pretty standard building. I mean, to go one step further, Big Ben is actually not the clock tower, but the bell inside of the clock this tower. This is true, yeah. So, like, everything here it's is It's also alive. not all that big. It's kind of medium, Ben, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, like, I was a little underwhelmed by... Have you been to Disneyland in California before? Like, I've not. It's, so, I've been there. It's it's like seeing... Because if you've been to Disney World in Orlando, Cinderella's Castle, massive. In Disneyland, they built it in the you know 60s. It was, it was Walt Disney and, like, his nephews over a weekend. They, like, did it... We went to Home Depot and built the castle... And it's Sleeping Beauty's castle, and you get there, and you're like, "Meh, all right, that's it." Yeah, yeah that's kind of that's kind of what it is. Oh, we we enjoy, we've enjoyed London though. I have. Uh, we went to see Les Mis tonight on West End. Was so good, fantastic. Yeah, the cast had the goods. We we decided to instead of go to Australia and Europe or in, in England. Yeah, our buddy Paul Kaharski went and saw a friendlies match at Wembley Stadium, which like which good for them. Fun. But like sure. Les Mis was killer tonight, it was great so it was awesome. I, I won't i wouldn't change that no all words. right that's i think we've hit our quota on talking about london i'm sure we'll talk more about it on our monday show our sunday evening show afternoon i don't know what on sunday after the game when we're talking to you whatever time it may be um but today we're gonna talk a little bit about the titans ravens very different show structure than usual for a pre preview show we're on bare bones set up here um and we're also tired and so like we're, we're going to talk about the keys here we usually go into a lot more detail have a lot more facts for you if you're looking for a lot of numbers let me just direct you to an article that we are producing that will be out on broadway sports media uh the website broadwaysportsmedia.com on saturday morning the titans 10 which is the 10 most important most pivotal facts about each week's matchup um that, that really are matchup defining statistics that you need to know going into the game that's where you'll get the numbers, a lot of which are the things we typically go over. Today, we're talking more narrative things. And two or three things I have on my mind about this game that I want to talk about before we get to the game. The first of which is, there's been a lot of talk about the Titans' red zone woes this year. And in the past three years before this season, uh, actually, I believe four, technically, they've been well above league average in terms of their effectiveness in the red zone. And that is something that this year has really cratered and there's a lot of different fingers being pointed. Is it new offense with Tim Kelly? Is it this personnel is not quite getting it done? Is it, you know, Derek Henry doesn't have the, uh, he's the efficacy that he used to have in the red zone just isn't there anymore. Is it that um, Ryan Tannehill is costing them by not being mobile enough? And like, there, there's a million things you can point to. And I, I'm not interested in actually getting down to the bottom of it today because I, I feel like I, a lot of times coaches give answers to questions like this during the week and they, and we ask for like, you know, a, a really pointed specific example or a pointed answer. And, and they give us a generic, like when it's just sometimes, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go wrong. Sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that ultimately we're all responsible and it's very coach speaky. And you're like, okay, well, thanks for obfuscating and not giving us an answer. I actually kind of side with the coaches on this one. I, I went back earlier this week 
before leaving for London and was kind of looking at each failed red zone attempt this year. I believe they're somewhere in the 30s percentile. I think the four years previous to this year, they were averaging in the mid 60s percentile in terms of converting trips inside the, the 20. Yeah, one of, one of the best for the past four years before this in the league of converting red zone trips, getting inside your opponent's 20 yard line into seven points instead of three or, or zero. And so a lot of the failed red zone attempts, like there are some common threads in there. Um, the, the, one of the biggest is the fact that they get into the red zone and then put themselves in low conversion scenarios by committing, you know, bad pre-snap penalties, poor judgment, uh, poor discipline, pre-snap penalties, um, or post-snap penalties, you know, a big holding play. You're suddenly in first and 20 and you're behind the sticks and the way that this def the way that this offense operates, they're built on more efficiency than explosion. And in the red zone, it's really hard to be explosive. And so it's just kind of, it, this is one of those teams where you feel like first and 20, you're like, okay, it's, you know, okay, time to Nick Folk, come on, start warming up, time to get on out here. I don't really have any faith in you yeah. and converting here. So that's one of the bigger trends. Another thing is in the red zone, uh, our, our buddy Zach Lyons over at Stacking the Inbox and Football and Other F-Words um, wrote about this this week. And one of the things he was keying in on, I think he put this on Twitter as well, is that this team when they go to Derrick Henry in the red zone have actually this year been really inefficient. And when they've put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hand in the red zone, they've actually been really efficient. And the problem is they're doing too much of the inefficient thing than the efficient thing, which seems counterintuitive because you, you know, you've been to Nissan stadium before the Titans get inside the 20, the whole stadium gives up, gives up the goose and is like, Henry. And it's like, okay, yeah. that seems like the intuitive thing to everybody. Obviously based on efficiency this year, that's, that's not been it. That's not to say that Henry's washed or, or can't be effective in the red zone, but, I think defenses get in, you know, they get backed up on their goal line and they're like, okay, now's the time for us to make you beat us with Ryan Tannehill. We're, we're not going to let Derrick Henry bully his way into the end zone. We're going to shut that down. And um, I don't know if the Titans just aren't recognizing that and realizing, okay, well, we'll just, let's put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hand here. And they're just sticking to their guns with Henry or, or what it is, but whatever the case, I, I think that there's a lot of different things that have gone wrong to cause the red zone inefficiency. There's not one thing to point to. My actual point that I'm making in all of this is that I anticipate the Titans getting into the red zone this week against the Ravens three or four times. That's what I think is going to end up happening. And this on paper, you're going to be like, wow, bold take Easton to, to, to make a mathematically sound probability based prediction. That's actually just likely, but a very simple challenge for them, a very simple goal for them in this game, a key to victory here is you have to convert at least two of those red zone trips into touchdowns. I see no path to victory against this Ravens team where you go one for three, one for four, oh for three, oh for four in the red zone. And Nick Folk has a big day and you score 10, 13, 16 points. You've got to get two touchdowns in this game. At least I don't see them getting into the red zone a bunch against this Ravens team. I really would be shocked if, if you, you know, see them get into the red zone five or six or seven times. I think force the most that's going to happen and they are going to have to be efficient with those trips. Yeah, I, I just think, like you said, in years past where they have been super efficient, um, it, it's been because they've been so good at getting Derrick Henry like very close right. into that red zone. And then from 10 yards out, that's where you see Derrick Henry become really, really efficient. Um, but as uh, Pretty Boy Lipschitz says in the chat here, Derrick isn't hitting the holes as hard as he once did. I think there's been a little bit of regression, but also I think it has where are as, the holes? as much to do with the offensive <laughs> yeah, line where are the holes, as, man? as it does with Derrick Henry. Um, however, 
like like you said, it, it's it, they've been hurting themselves. They've been shooting themselves in the foot because of, like you said, penalties that back them up to first and 20. And then all of a sudden you're out of the red zone. And that's where it, it becomes harder for them to really really capitalize on those situations. No, I, I think that that is absolutely fair. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to discredit what pretty boy Lipschitz is saying that, that Henry, like whatever, whatever is the case here, yeah. Henry is not as effective in the red zone, bottom line, whether that's him, whether that is the offensive line, whether that is defense is selling out to stop him and, and the, the Titans just have to correct course on that. I don't quite know. Another thing that I know that you are big on this week and you were big on it. You were talking to me about it before you watched the film this week. Um, while you were enjoying your travel leisures and I was painfully on the phone with PR for 19 hours, um, you were watching a lot of the, the Ravens film from last week and you saw a lot from rookie Zay flowers that kind of reminded you of what we saw the Titans face against Colts rookie Josh Downs in week five. I think that there's an opportunity for him to have a big week against this Titans team. And on the flip side of that, the Titans defense has to have sat in that film room this week, watched what Zay flowers can do out of the slot as your, as your flanker, as your two, as your Y in, in on the outside and in that short area with that short area burst and quickness that he brings a lot of the stuff that we loved from Josh downs. I would argue say flowers is actually just better at those. Like he's just a better version of Josh downs Two prospects. We both really, really liked the Titans are going to have to adjust from what they did last week to not get shredded in that short area and just sliced and diced by Zay flowers. And I think that we heard that from Vrabel earlier this week. Someone asked him a question about Zay Flowers. They said yeah. they like the prospect coming out of the draft. Um, they're going. We to know have... the Titans brought him on visits. We yes. know that they were thinking about him. There's a lot of verified rumors. Like they were interested in Zay Flowers. Yeah, and, and he does basically what. As I was watching the film on both sides with the Ravens offense and the Titans defense, he really does, as you said, in that flanker role, do what Josh Downs does but a lot better. He's just a lot quicker, a lot more physical in those route running ability than even Josh Downs is, which is kind of crazy to say. But I think the biggest key as I was watching a lot of this film is that when you use him in that flanker and you're sending him in motion and you're kind of trying to confuse the defense, that's what happened last week against the, against the yep, Titans. When yep. you keep your, your, your corners kind of for the most part on their, their, certain side of the field and they start moving around like they did last week. You saw a lot of confusion and that's where you saw Josh Downs kind of be open. And then once he gets the ball, he's a yards after the catch monster, a lot of missed tackle opportunities. I think Zay flowers is going to have the ability he's kind of that, but better like that, he's but better. Yeah. So the big thing is that they're going to have to have communication this week. Communication is key so that you don't get Zay flowers kind of doing those motion routes where you get him on absolutely nobody and give him space. Yeah, it, it, you know, we'll look at the injury report in in a minute, but OBJ coming back for this week's game. Um, you, you've got Rashad Bateman still out there. I say OBJ coming back. Was he? I don't think he was playing last week. That's no, I don't. Yeah, I don't okay, think so he yeah, played last yeah, week. Yeah, so I'm right about that. Like you said, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> Rashad Bateman might as well in. be hurt Devin out Duvernay, there because he's hurting you know? the team with the amount yes. of uh, back breaking drops and lack of playmaking that he's putting out there as a former first rounder. But I, I still. I personally view Zay Flowers as the biggest threat for this team in the air in this game. Uh, speaking of in the air, a, a fascinating conversation with this game. And, and those of you that are watching with us live, feel free to chime in on the comment section at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Find this live stream there. Join the conversation there in the comments. We would love to hear from you. Like we've heard from DP and Pretty Boy Lipschitz, Ben and Austin. Appreciate you guys. 
is this going to be a game that's decided on by by air or by sea? Is this going to be on the ground and going to be kind of what I think on paper you'd expect from these two teams? And we've seen a you know story, storied rivalry between these two. They both have been among the most. I think I think well, what's the stat in the last four years? They've been the two highest yards per game rushing teams in the league, known for. Their their rushing attack, creative rushing attack, relentless rushing attack, relentless determination to stick with their rushing attack, even when things aren't going great out of the gate and and force you to submit in the fourth quarter and win in those trenches. That's that's what's defined these two teams for a long time. I think it's still largely what defines them today. And so on paper, you'd say, well, yeah, that's what this game's going to be is who's you know, it's rushing champ versus rushing rushing champ. Who's going to be the better rushing team? I think there's an opportunity for this game to actually be the opposite because both teams are so effective on the ground because that's not a secret to anybody on either coaching staff or either team's uh, player player personnel. Like they, they know that's the case. The Titans coming off of their worst run defense game in 17, 18 yeah. games and 20 give, games in a row. Like give Zach Moss, his career game, you kind of, you realize you have to go back to the drawing board. And unless I'm missing something, it's, it's the worst. Yes. It's the worst rushing defense they've had since they allowed Saquon Barkley to hang 200 plus on them in week one yeah, of 2022. I might be missing one somewhere in there, but that's, that's pretty much what it is. I just, I see no world and assuming tier tarts playing. I think I th- the vibes that I'm getting, what we're hearing again, we'll talk about the injury report. sounds like that's what's what it's going to be. He's going to at least give it a try. Even if he's not there, the, there's a pride in that locker room. There's a pride amongst those on this defense. They're not going to have that kind of game. I actually don't, I, as much as people like to make fun of what the Colts, you know, the Colts last week, the run, backup running back, he's a, he's a good player. He'd, he'd been balling before and, that. And as I went to watch the film, as Nick Suss was saying, that offensive line played out of their minds last week. They, they made they, it look, they made him look good. They, they did. did. I'm not, I'm not saying Zach Moss shouldn't Especially get credit the, for what he did. Especially on the 56-yard run, I went back and I was like, Nick was totally right. He had there eight, really, nine yards before contact <laughs> there, of there any There really kind. was no, nothing they could do because the Colts offense just executed so efficiently on that play with Zach Moss. So I, I think you're coming into a, a game here against an offensive line who, isn't as good as the Indianapolis Colts are playing right now, but also like Baltimore does have some key pieces on that offensive line that can make it work. Yeah, they do. I I just, I I don't, I don't trust their rushing personnel, both up front and their, their running backs available to it's really, it's the threat of those guys. Plus Lamar Jackson that makes these guys. So so deadly. real quick before we move on to why we think that this game could be passing. I think when you say running, these two teams run very efficiently, very different, differently. One, you have Derrick Henry and you have just like a soon to be hall of famer running back, just absolutely tearing it up back there. Two, the Ravens are so good at running because of how big of a threat Lamar Jackson is. Takes it takes a defender off the table. Every really does. And, and as I was watching the film last week, Anthony Richardson, they contained him very well, Mm -hmm. but Lamar Jackson does exactly what Anthony Richardson does 10 times better, yeah, especially yeah. on their RPO. And I'd imagine he's going to play the whole game. Yeah, right. exactly yeah. right. And I think that even though they contained Anthony Richardson, and as we said last week, kept the rat in the cage, the so, the cage to, so to say. Until the rat died. We didn't mean to kill the rat. We, we, didn't, we, we didn't did mean to not kill mean to do that. Feel the, bad about doing that. This rat, you know, he's he's in the science lab. He's doing puzzles. He he can trick you a little bit more, you know, and get out of that cage. For, to, to he's a, even he more knows how to metaphor. hit the buttons in the right order to get the food <laughs> to, to get come the out. Cheese, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so I think that these these both these teams have really good 
ability to, but because these defenses who are pretty good against the run now know how to identify that, that's why we could maybe look to see the passing game be a lot more efficient. Yeah, they're just the, the other thing, the, the other side of the coin there is the passing game. Okay, what, what's that going to bring to the table? Both of these teams' secondaries are kind of suspect. The Ravens certainly less so than the Titans. The Titans, you know, when is Christian Fulton ever going to be Christian Fulton again? Mm-hmm. If ever, don't know. Um, certainly some holes in that secondary, as has been the case every single week this year. With the Ravens, it looks like they may be getting some starting safety help back this week in Marlon Humphrey, but you still have had some significant injuries back there and some kind of up and down play. It feels like it's been one of the weaker elements of a otherwise really stout defense to the point that I, th- I think that the Titans are going to have an opportunity to throw. And we saw DeAndre Hopkins, it's hard for a star like that to break out, but break out in the Titans yeah. uniform last week, have his first big marquee game. Kyle Phillips back last week, very quiet. I asked Mike Rabel about Kyle Phillips today on a private Zoom that we had that wasn't broadcast. Um, he, he, you know, didn't actually give me much on that, but but he went on. He at first he was like, you know, we, he's a slot receiver. We're gonna get. There's only one football. Typical Vrabel responses. Then went on to say, just you know, he's a guy we want to get the ball in his hands. We're looking to get guy uh, ways to get the ball in Chig's hands, in Kyle's hands, in Tajay's hands. We want the ball in these guys' hands because they can make plays, and we know that he can make plays for us. We know that as a punt returner, he can make plays for us. So he kind of came around on a question he didn't seem to quite like at first, and he. He he kind of gave gave up the uh gave up the goose on that one. You've got him in the in the fold. I could see him being an element in this game. Um NWI and Chris Moore had a quiet game last week. Too. I mean, every receiver besides NWI did, or besides uh DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins yep. did. I just think you're you're due for some more balance there. And like we pointed out at the beginning of this week, in review of last week, there was you know a lot of distribution of the ball through the air to non-wide receivers. Taja getting involved, Derek getting involved. Uh, Chigga getting involved, um, Trayvon Wesco getting involved, y- y- even uh, even uh, Josh Wiley, I, 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 Josh, yeah, 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 all, all three tight down, ends, so. but none of the receivers because, yes. of course, naturally. Yeah. Um, I think that that may be, I, I don't, I, I think that the Ravens, their linebacking core, you know, Patrick Queen's playing really well, yes, he is. Their, their linebacking core is playing well, and, and um, if they're going to do any, um, uh, you know, simulated pressures, they've got guys up front that can step back into that linebacker role and play a zone or even you know, carry a man downfield, carry a tight end downfield in coverage and hold up just fine. So I think that the pure receiver realm of possibilities is, is wider. The range of possibilities is wider. And um, I, I could see them having a bigger game for the Titans in this one. And again, we already talked about Zay flowers. I, yeah. I think that he's going to be a big impact in this game. And with OB, OBJ back, there's room for yeah. him to be OBJ. And, and I think that one of the big things here like you said with Ty J Spears and with Derrick Henry, the like on the opposite side of the coin, while the Titans defense kind of got a uh, Lamar Jackson light with Anthony Richardson and trying to contain him. I think there's a, there's an, a something to be said about how the Steelers started using Jalen Warren last week and how that could probably become yeah. like Ty J Spears is Jalen Warren, yep. but better. Yep. So they're going to have, they're going to have uh, be looking out on him Um for, for this week. So I don't think that's a given, but I think they're going to continue to try to use Tajay and Derek in that, in that passing attack. Um, we, we have a couple questions here in the YouTube chat from Tim Lee, who says Titans are facing Colts again in terms of the passing game, but better Lamar Richard over Richardson flowers over down OBJ and Bateman over Pierce. And then uh, Mark Andrews over Jelani. 
Um, another piece of it so that we didn't doing, talk about, Mark, doing doing a good job of crystallizing what we've been saying. Tim, yes. I totally agree. Um, and I think the biggest thing Jelani right here Woods. To, to kind of well, I, I was going to say the biggest thing is, is the last Jelani part of this. Uh, <laughs> Mark Andrews, sorry. Well, him and but the linebacking core is going to have a big day because ah, as, important day, maybe a bad yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big question in, in terms of important. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. As he as he points out here, Jack Gibbons can't be caught one v one with Flowers, kind of like he was caught with with Josh Downs last week. Yeah, so. you can't, you can't do it. Um, you can actually, you just shouldn't, you shouldn't. And um, if they do, it, they're probably going to pay the price for that. Yeah, and um, he said one more time. He said, "Time for Fulton to be ran over by Bateman and called for DPI." Yeah, as Nick said, something dumb's going to happen. Something in this game. dumb's going to so, happen in this game. I think of that's course, it probably could happen to Christian Fulton in case. His, bad season continues i agree all right um that's gonna be it for titans ravens talk in terms of opinion from us we do want to talk about the injury report again kind of a shorter show today because we're running on fumes it's very late here yeah, and yeah. We, we did get back a little late had some technical difficulties we did have some, it's already <laughs> past midnight here in london but we do this for but you But if you do have any questions and, and have thoughts on this game please yeah send them in the uh send them in the chat charles barnes easton is going to look okay all right buddy um <laughs> This is this is that guy that everybody's been making fun of on on uh, Twitter this week. For, oh, he? He's the best scout in the world. Oh, he's actually I, been working for the Titans. See, I've been I've been, on, I've been drinking some Guinness over here. I've not been paying attention. Yeah, um, <laughs> appreciate you following the show, Chuck. Good stuff. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk injury report. JT, what do we got? It's certainly a long one for the Titans. Yes. Three guys did not travel and were out. The rest of the report relatively clean. Yeah, um, so the three guys who did not travel with the team this week, wide receiver Traylon Burks, uh, linebacker Luke Gifford, and uh, defensive back Elijah Molden. I think the biggest surprise here continues to be Elijah Molden. Um, so once again, it's another year where Elijah Molden certainly has um, some very suspect injuries that go on throughout the throughout the week and through the first couple of weeks of the season, this time with the hamstring. But both of the, all three of them did not um come over with the team to London right two guys who are questionable but did come over with the team this week um defensive lineman tier tart who is still dealing with that toe injury and then uh, another one that was a qu quite a surprise this week center Aaron Brewer with a neck injury right. is also questionable um we can talk about can Aaron Brewer first because yeah. we do have a uh question here in the chat Maggie Barnes what up uh, Maggie says Maggie. what are your thoughts on Aaron Brewer Hey Maggie, good question. Um, the thoughts are they need him to play. Um, if, if they don't, I had this is how I've been stretched thin here in London. I hadn't even really considered the possibility of him not playing until a moment ago. And JT asked me, what, what are they gonna do if he doesn't play? And my 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 initial this is not based on anything I've heard in the in the building or with the team. My initial guess is that you get Corey Levin in there, who's had some experience with the Titans playing interior offensive line, playing some center for them. He's a guy that they keep around. They like as a, a veteran player, serviceable plug and play in a pinch guy inside. Is it going to be a step down? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to handicap them, hamstring them a little bit in the running game because of what Aaron Brewer as kind of a freak athlete, different style of offensive lineman than typical is able to do for them in the run game. Like that's, that's going to, it's going to simplify things in the run game and, and hinder them there. Pass protection, it's a step down, but not a big one in my opinion. Um, he can hold his own, absolutely. So that's what I'm guessing they would do. There's a couple of guys on that on that team as backups that can play interior offensive line. I really don't think you'd see a Dylan Raidens go in there, just because he doesn't. From my my understanding, he doesn't have much, if if any, interior uh, excuse me, center experience. 
So I think that Corey Levin is, is my best guess for who they play if he's out. But, but the biggest questionable here is tier tart. And I don't want to over overlook what I talked about earlier with, they need him for this run game. We said it on Monday's show. We're saying it on I'm sure. We said it on a Wednesday show. We're saying it today. Like he's the most important run defender on this team. In my opinion, he's a big body ground and not ground and pound, but like nose in the dirt, um, nose tackle who is your stalwart, just dude that's in the way, massive human being that's in the way and going to stop guys in the run game because they're in the way and massive and also freaky athletic and able to, to swim defenders, chop double teams and, and get a hand on and affect the runner early on and not let them get eight yards of, of no contact downfield. So he's so important for them, for them to have. But Brewers, he's an important element yeah. as well, and I think I think that the the run game suffers the most if he's not in. There. And the big thing here is because the bye is next week. Um, I, I think with the bye coming up next week, this is kind of telling because if some of these guys like um, Gifford and Molden and Burks had the opportunity to maybe have a chance to play, they probably were going to make the trip because they didn't make the trip. They're going to probably just you know they're telling them, all right, we're going to we're going to kind of just get you guys right, go for the buy, and then get going after that. Um, with Tier Tart and Aaron Brewer, I think, especially in Tart's case, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him playing this week just because of how crucial he kind of is to that defensive front. Yep. But maybe more in a limited sense, you know, kind of play him in limited snap shares, I think, because if he is still de dealing with that toe, um, it may be important to kind of play half the game, you know, mm. nursing that. But also, he is a big element. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's see. I see Charles. You're still around. Appreciate you still watching, man. It's cool. Um, what else we got? Um, who, who, do, who do we who do we have that is not listed that we can talk about the importance of them and and yeah, know, some guys so, that were were injured during the week missed some practice time, but looks like they're going to be a go. Yeah, uh, Danico Autry and Amani Hooker uh, kind of popped up on the uh, injury report on Thursday, but they a couple were, of hand issues. It yeah, looks like fingers and issues, thumbs. Yeah, um, but they're full participants here. Uh, on Friday, so they are good to go. DeAndre Hopkins, once again, and, and uh, Derek Henry, all taking those uh, veteran days throughout the uh, week. And then uh, Jeffrey Simmons, also kind of a veteran kind of move there, is um, good to go this week. Yep, good news. All those guys, very important. We can talk about the Ravens as we talked about them as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. O OBJ, good to go. Good to go. Marlon Humphreys, finally back. Good to go. How much he will really impact that game after not playing for a while. It, it'll it'll it makes the it makes the titans job passing harder but sure. how much does it really impact i think that's a wait and see game there um but th those are the two another, on the another Ravens. starting lineman i believe right or was yeah. that a backup line uh, back okay back, just kidding sorry who they had one guy ruled out who is totally escaping my memory um I'll, i will look that up when we're talking about the best bet gauntlet and get back to you but yeah. first let's get to the best bet gauntlet which is our final segment of today's show where we're going to make some money for us make some money for you guys had our first down week of the year last week. Went three and seven, I believe, on the day. Yeah, three and seven. Bad tough. day. Despite three and seven, which is a horrendous record on the day. On the year, the show is still 66%, 30 and 20 on the year. JT with a decisive lead, uh, leading me by six wins right now. I got a lot of season left to catch up, but I got some work to do. You've been on a heater. I've been pretty back, back and forth. Cooled down a little bit. But yeah, still. excited about this week. Um, that's, you know. We're going to have some down weeks like that. You got to trust the process, trust the aggregate here. Again, 66% coming off of a three and seven week. We're making money. 
almost every single week. And there's going to be some that we don't, and we're going to make it back the next week and the next week. So that's what we're looking to do today. The theme of today's today's uh, best bet gauntlet. We've, we've kind of talked about this beforehand. It's a concept in betting that I I've seen popular, popularized by Stucky. Who's a very popular, famous pro gambler with the action network. He talks about catching the falling knife, which is an important, sharp gambling habit, important, sharp gambling mindset of all these teams, uh, not all of them, but many of them over the course of the season are going to be falling knives. They're going to be sharp and dangerous and pointy and, and stabby objects falling to the ground. And it's your responsibility as a better to try to catch that falling knife. If you catch it too early, you're going to get cut. But if you catch it at just the right time, you're going to catch that handle and save your toes. And it's going to be a good day for you. And so catching a team that is just spiraling, just can have nothing go right. The giants, for example, a team that we're not betting. We are not trying to catch that knife this week. Maybe it's the week to catch the knife on them. We're not taking that risk. I don't have the balls. No, I just, I, I'm not drunk enough to do it, frankly, but we do have some other teams that would seemingly be full blown disasters and we're going to pick them anyways this week. And I still have the T box. So I will go first. My first pick of the week is Detroit minus three and a half. This bet is as simple as betting the hot hand. And I'm afraid for Detroit in general, that they're going to be the team that kind of starts a little bit too hot this year and flames out down the, down the tracks. I really hope not, but they are, they really can do no wrong right now. Certainly like some, sort of baseball team that also was too hot. Don't know what you're talking about. Yep. We're, we, uh, we're talking about football right now. Okay. So anyways, um, in terms of football, yeah, I, I like, <laughs> I hate you. I yeah. like Detroit this week. Plus the three minus three. Um, <laughs> some more comments. Austin, big Jeff going to eat Elliot. Marlon Humphrey is Derek Henry's favorite lineman. Good pull. Good reference there. Yeah. So the lions this week are a good bet to cover the three against, uh, Minus three, correct? Uh, minus three, excuse me. Minus three against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is another hot team in October, in September. I just think Detroit is kind of another beast for them. They, they've they capitalized. They've got some wins against some suspect teams, especially defensively. Detroit's defense, again, I don't know if it's sustainable. But right now, they are playing really, really, really well. They're getting fantastic play out of that rookie safety out of Alabama. They're getting fantastic play out of their second year pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson. They are really firing on all cylinders. And on offense, Jared Goff has been fantastic. Now, they're not in a dome, but they are in Tampa Bay, where the weather should just be delicious, should be nice. I think that they win that game by over a field goal. Yeah, with my first pick here, um, we do it every week, and I decided that this one was a bit too tasty uh, to pass up. I'm taking the two-tone blue Tennessee Titans plus four and a half this week. Um, Obviously, it's a little... Throw it on the ticker. Five weeks in a row. Five weeks in a row here. there's there's a couple stats here. One, obviously, with these London games, they're very tricky. But the public usually uh, does not know how to bet these games. Uh, and considering that the public is on the Ravens this week, it makes me feel even a lot better about this game. Some stats about Lamar Jackson in particular um, has not lost a back. He's not lost back to back games since 2021, um, going five and zero over that span. Um, but in those game in, in in these games, it's still not like. He could win, but it's not like they're winning by a lot. Um, Lamar Jackson over the past three seasons is 6-0 and against the spread as an underdog, but 7-16 against the spread as a favorite, including 4-16 when favored by more than three points. The Titans this week, plus 4.5. Um, also, 
Mike Vrabel as a home underdog, even though it's not really home. If you believe Every in that week, juju, tap the sign. Um, just tap the <laughs> tap sign. The sign. I, I think that's a lot of points. I think this is like we we said on we said on Wednesday. It's a gross kind of very gutsy Baltimore Ravens versus Titans matchup. Uh, something dumb's going to happen. It's and the I kind think, of game that feels like it finishes on a field goal. Yeah, to me. That's, that's I think the four and a half is just too many that's points. That's how it feels as well. It's too many points. Uh, speaking of injury reports, by the way, I said I'd pull that up. The Ravens, I knew that they had a starter out. Adafi Owe, outside of linebacker, won't be playing. Um, so some opportunity in the middle for guys like Tajay Spears, for guys like um, Kyle Phillips to maybe expose some backup there but um that's that's an important one that is out they have more important guys back like we mentioned obj Jadavian Clowney, who we didn't mention former titans legend <laughs> coming around the edge and uh um uh who else do they have oh marlon humphrey back so there's that my second pick of week six in the best bet gauntlet i'm taking new orleans minus one and a half as much as I'm betting against the wagon, that is, the I, I know. And that's kind of why I'm doing it. So okay. the, the, we, we've reached the point where I feel like regression is due for CJ Stroud. I've loved what he's done. I think he's been really fantastic. You know, it's coming eventually. If it's not this week, it is coming. Not to say that he's going to fall apart and be bad, but like there's there, you know, every rookie season has its ups and downs. You hit some rookie walls. You, you're, you know, you hit some moments where a defensive coordinator kind of figures you out, find something you're not good at and forces you to do it. And the Saints defense has been really, really fantastic this season so far. One of the better defenses in the league, in my opinion. I think this is going to be the biggest test for him. I think if you want to throw a little, little money on some uh, some props, first interception of his NFL career could be a real possibility for CJ this week. I don't know what those numbers are, but he's not thrown one yet through five games. I'm sure it's probably plus odds there for him to throw one uh, interception. I, I think that New Orleans gets it done on the road. They're coming off a big win. I understand that, but what does road environment really mean for Houston? And uh, I think that the New Orleans is simply a better team right now that's going to outlast them and probably win by a field goal. Yeah, uh, next pick here. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings minus three. Once again, I'm buying or selling, I guess, on the hype of the Chicago Bears and how Justin Fields has looked the the past couple weeks. And it's not more because I don't believe that the Chicago Bears are improving. It's just the Chicago Bears and divisional matchups have been a nightmare when it comes to betting. Uh, the Bears have been an incredible fade in in uh, divisional matchups the past couple seasons. They're they've gone five nineteen and one against the spread since twenty nineteen, losing a better hundred. If you bet a hundred dollars. Um, you, you lose fourteen hundred dollars if you bet on them in those divisional matchups. <laughs> That's tough, right there. Not looking it's, to lose some money good, here. It's not a good number, uh, despite with Je despite Justin Jefferson being out. Um, a lot of teams are able to run on on uh, the Chicago Bears. So yep. I think Alexander Madison will have a nice day. Uh, as Kevin O'Connell said earlier this week, uh, Jordan Addison is all sets go to be the wide receiver one this week, as long, assuming he can still play. Um, but if he does. He's going to be their wide receiver one, and he's looked very impressive this this uh, year so far. Yes. TJ Hawkinson yep. is also there, so I, I, I'm not I'm not thinking that one of the most pass happy offenses is going to regress just because um, um, you lose his, uh, no wide Justin, receiver one. Yeah, yeah, you lose his stud. Uh, JJ, JJ is not there, so give me the uh, Vikings minus three. I like that pick with pick three in the week six best bet gauntlet. Give me Dallas minus two and a half. I think that getting this under the three is important here. Dallas, uh, they are on the road playing the Chargers this week. Battle between two of, <laughs> I think, the worst coaches in the league in Mike McCarthy and Brandon Staley. 
I think Brandon Staley is a significantly worse coach. One of those guys has a ring. One of them is probably not going to be employed much longer if things continue the way that they're continuing, in my opinion. Not wishing that on him. Certainly not. I, I hope that I'm wrong and he has employment, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Dallas got kicked in the teeth last week, and they have been for a long time a team, JT, that beats up on bad teams. I'm not saying the Chargers are a bad team, but I don't think they're a very good team. I think they're a streaky team. I think they're a team that can absolutely be beaten up on if given the opportunity. And I think that Dallas has the most motivation in the world to prove that what they put up against San Francisco last week, a team that has big boyed them in a number of big spots in the past couple of years. And Kyle Shanahan has just been their dad every time they've played. I think that they're, they're looking to prove, Hey, we're a good team and let's beat up on a team that folks really don't consider a bad team. And the chargers, like if we pound the chargers, I think that will get, you know, get some folks to look at that, that San Francisco game a little bit differently. I'm just down on the chargers. I think the Dallas is the better team top to bottom. And I think that the motivation factor here, the spot here for them is huge. I think that they win by at least a field goal. Wouldn't shock me if they blow them out. Yeah. My next pick here is one that feels so, it feels so ugly, but, uh, but I have to do it here. I'm taking Colts plus four right now. Wish I could have got it at four and a half felt would have would have felt a lot better, but the Colts are headed to Jacksonville uh, in this divisional uh, game. They're not a, they're not a divisional home dog, but still a divisional dog. Nonetheless, who has been playing a lot better than people's expectations this season. Of course, Anthony Richardson will not be in there, but Gardner Minshew will take his place who also helped the, the Colts kind of upset. The How Baltimore big Ravens. of a downgrade is it right now? I don't know if it's that. I big don't of a think it's a big downgrade right now. We love um, Anthony Richardson. I don't think do. right now it's a big regardless. Downgrade. I think this one, is big because you have to remember that um, that Jacksonville has been in London for the past two and a half weeks coming back to the States. Now I'm not saying that they're not going to be ready. Have you seen the number on this by the way? Or no, so, so no. I, I forgot, pardon me. Uh, the, the exact stat I'll probably tweet out at some point between now and Sunday. I, I saw earlier, I think yesterday that teams that have come back from London and foregone their buy. Cause that's what the Jags did. They were in London for two weeks. They're coming back not doing their buy right away like the Titans are in week seven. Um, teams that have done that and come back have failed to cover the spread. I think that they're like one and six all time, and they've gotten blown up, blown out a handful of times. It's not a very good idea to do that. And it's what they're trying to do after two weeks in London where the body fully adjusted. So now they're trying yeah. to fully adjust back. Yeah, um, that's also a good stat. But I just think it's a divisional game. They played them close last time with yep. Anthony Richardson in the week one. Yep. This team has only gotten better since then. You get Jonathan Taylor back, even though the Jaguars were very good at stopping the run last week. How big of a factor will that be? We'll have to see. Yep. But this Colts team continues to play better and better. And it feels like all of these AFC South teams are just closer together in terms of how good they are than a lot of people realize. So give me the Colts with the points. I like the pick. My next two picks are gross, 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 but I need you to hear me out. And they're very gross for different reasons. My first pick is, is my fourth pick and the best bet gone for week six. I'm taking new England plus three. First of all, I think that you're going to get this number at three and a half. I think you're getting the hook if you wait to bet it until Sunday. So I would wait until Sunday to bet it, to see if it goes up to three and a half, but new England is on the road playing the Raiders getting a field goal. This is like I said, at the top of the segment, this is catching the falling knife. New England seems like a hapless, listless, lost team. And they, they kind of have been for the last two weeks. And on, on the whole, they kind of seem like that may be the case. 
I just don't see that team rolling over against what I think is a pretty fraudulent team in Las Vegas. They've gotten some gifts in, in wins, in my opinion. Um, and they're kind of frisky at times, but in general, I think that this new England defense is going to give that offense problems. And I think that new England's offense simply has to improve a number that I saw again, that if this was a regular week show and I had a bunch of notes in front of me, I would have written down, but it's another set I will go find before Sunday and put out there Team, teams that in two consecutive games have failed to score uh, six or more points in that third game after two consecutive no scoring games have scored on average. It was, it was a number is an average North of 20. It was in the twenties. Um, and that's a lot of points against a Raver, Raiders team that I just don't think might be able to hang against that defense. So, I think, I think New England is a catch the falling knife spot, not to mention it's a lot of sharp action on that this week. A lot of professionals like this gross, gross number. So we're going to try it. Maybe we get the blade. I'm thinking we get the handle. Give me New England plus the field goal. Wait for the hook. Get the hook on this one. That is very gross. Uh, my next pick here is also gross for a different reason, and that's because I'm betting against Desmond Ritter at home, mm. which that's so the whoever. immovable object Desmond Ritter <laughs> at home. Uh, he has not lost or failed to cover the spread against um, or he's not lost yet at home in his college Just outright, and, I think, and uh, straight professional up, career against the spread. Um, is a different story. So he, yep. he's, he has lost against the spread. However, this is more of a coaching mismatch. I think this week in, in yes. just terms of uh, Ron Rivera this week, being an underdog, Ron Rivera kind of thrives. Um, he's eight, he's 58, 43 and two against the spread as an underdog in his career and coming off extended rest. Um, like he did last week when he played against Chicago and kind of got bodied last week against that <laughs> Chicago team. He is 12, six and one against the spread. I think this team is a lot better than what they showed in um, in Chicago last week. And I don't think that this Atlanta team is as good as people are giving them credit for right now. So give me the commanders plus two and a half. I dig it. I dig it. My last pick, my fifth pick of the week six best bet gauntlet. I'm doing something gross for a very different reason than my fourth pick. I'm taking a very, very square side, but I, I think that this, I think the public is right on this one. I'm taking San Fran minus 10. I, I don't want it 10 and a half. So find it now at minus 10. They're playing at Cleveland this week, mm -hmm. and we've got no Deshaun Watson again. Kind of weird, his shoulder situation. He's been out for a couple of weeks despite being cleared by doctors two weeks ago to play. Clearly, he's just not feeling it. Dorian Tom Thompson Robinson, rookie out of UCLA, fifth-round pick. DTR is playing for them again this week. We saw him get pretty, pretty badly beaten up in that Ravens game in a very – very impossible situation for a rookie on short notice. He's got some more notice well, this week. They're, they're playing PJ Walker this week. Or sorry. Oh, oh is it? P, is it PJ? Yeah. I didn't see this announcement. Yeah. Uh, that does not change my opinion. <laughs> that does not. Um, trying to think the last time we saw PJ Walker in action. Carolina last year. Yeah. Against yeah. The Falcons no, team that it doesn't. Is not as good. As it doesn't change my mind. So they, did they add him this week or is yeah, it? Okay. They, they, they okay. So the, I actually like this better from my argument. Here's the argument. Here's the number. XFL quarterback versus the San Francisco team. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and here's the thing. This San Francisco team with Brock pretty starting the last eight games that he has started in a row, they have scored 30 or more points. The anti Titans, eight consecutive games of yes. 30 plus points. That means in order for the Browns to cover this spread, assuming that they continue that. And you say, well, this Browns defense is a better defense. Yes, it's a very good defense, but they put up 30 on some really good defenses in the last eight games. 
I went back. I promise that like, I think that they're still capable of putting up 30 against this defense, um, especially with how much the defense might be on the field for Cleveland and how much the offense for um, San Francisco is going to be on the field. Because I don't think that that Cleveland offense with brand new XFL quarterback, PJ Walker coming in is going to be a big dramatic difference for them in order for him to cover that spread. That means PJ Walker is going to have to put up at least 20 points. I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think that this is like a, like a 27 to six, 27 to nine kind of game. I think that San Francisco wins incredibly comfortably again. Give me them covering the 10 big smackaroonies. So in the chat here, at least we have uh, Elliot Chafin saying, I've got the Browns this week. Chafin, so how dare you? Elliot Chaffin, you know oh, this too. Yeah, you know I, this too. You were in a fine. wedding party with him. I was. My um, apologies. Regardless. I still like it though. Um, it's funny. Here's the here's the what we're kind of doing this week me and you are wrong brown's money line oh okay well that's uh that's a, certainly a pick this week but, high roller high uh, roller we are kind of taking the different a uh, different stance on the same kind of stat this week so it'll be interesting to see if it plays out for one of us or if it doesn't play out for any of us and mm. with this week it's the grossest pick but i think i'm gonna get the handle here because i, I like the trends Jets plus six and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is, and here's you see why. that? That was the knife. Yeah. <laughs> Good well, luck catching it, bud. We'll see if I have some cuts on my hands after this week. But uh, here's here's why I'm taking the Jets this week. A lot of sharp action on them already. This I have week. seen One this. of the biggest sharps action games this week. Uh, home dogs versus an undefeated straight up road team are 61 38 and one against the spread in the last decade and 88 53 and two against the spread since 2010. So this, this works for both the Browns. We're going up against the San Francisco 49ers and then the jets going up against this Eagles team. I think they, the jets continue to play better and better, even though um, they, they played a pretty tic tac uh, kind of just very easy. Yep. Uh, Broncos team last week. They continue to get better and better. The defense is going to be good. I'm expecting the Eagles to win, but I think this is a closer game than people realize. So I'm going to take those points plus six and a half. All right. I dig it. And recap for the week six best bet gauntlet. JT has Tennessee plus four and a half, Minnesota minus three, the Colts plus four, Washington plus two and a half, and the New York Jets plus six and a half points. For my turn i went with the i couldn't what was the for my part that's what i was looking yeah. for for my part i'm taking detroit minus three new orleans minus one and a half dallas minus two and a half new england plus three and san francisco minus 10 those are our 10 picks for week six looking for a bounce back spot and that is our show appreciate everybody tuning in with us live here from london it is now 12 36 a.m greenwich meantime is that where we are right now i don't even know london, london time yeah. I, I don't know greenwich i think it's gmt is it really? I, I think I could be sure. wrong. We're, we're nearer that, but it's London time. It's past midnight and uh, we're going to go to bed now. You all enjoy your evening, your Friday evening. Go out and do something fun. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy waking up at 930, 830 central, 830 central standard time to watch Titans Ravens here in London. It'll be 230 our time. So yes. we'll be wide awake and ready to go for that game. We'll be covering everything from that game at the game from the press box, talking to players and coaches afterwards in the locker room. And then we will be live later on Sunday, probably between, I'm going to guess maybe in the middle of the early window, maybe between the early window and the late window at some point that day, midday in the afternoon, we'll be talking Titans live here from London. So until then have a great weekend for producer JT. I'm your host, Easton freeze. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Uh -huh.